Welcome to Seds and Sandals, a PE podcast by the Lancashire Post. This week we'll be taking a look back at the Luton Town game and discussing the departure of manager Alex Neal, what the future will hold for PE and what needs to happen. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals and with me, as always, is Dave Seddon. Dave, it's been a, a busy past few days. I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about today, but uh, how how's it been for you? A little insight behind the curtain as to a reporter over the last few days as obviously Alex Neal has, uh, has left North End. Yeah, a, a really busy, eventful time. First time Preston have sacked a manager since February 2013. Obviously, Simon Grayson had four and a bit years here and went to his own accord. And now um, Alex Neal's sort of three and three quarter year stay has ended. So um, so in recent times, the sacking is like quite a rare event at Deepdale. It used to be an annual event. Um, so White smoke out the chimney and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you, yeah, it used to be all the time. But, you know, obviously things came to a head Sunday afternoon with, mm. with Alex going, uh, followed <clears throat> three defeats on the bounce in which they didn't score, uh, further run of sort of four, uh, four defeats in five games, with just a point in there. Tough watch. Yeah, sort of two wins since February, three wins since January. It's It just boiled down to it. The indications from Preston as recently as probably 10 days to a week ago, Alex Neal would see it through to the end of the season, no matter mm-hmm. what. But the Wickham and Middlesbrough defeats yeah. started to sort of put the pressure on while they did play quite well at Middlesbrough for you know the first half until Brown's ending off, etc. Um the results were a concern, mm. starting to concern when you piled them up accumulatively, you know, three wins in that, you know, since the turn of the year, you know, form had really dipped. And then the Luton defeat was just the sort of, you know, the last straw really. It was a sort of, you know, it was the straw that broke the camel, camel's back for the North End hierarchy. Yeah, it wasn't a great game. We'll start We'll start with the Luton game and we'll obviously come into Alex Neal and all that sort of stuff. That'll be probably the main part of the podcast. But we'll do as we normally do. We'll, we'll discuss the game that's, that's just happened. So Luton won North End nil. Uh, I think it's the first time that Luton have won at Deepdale or something like 50 years. Getting on for that. Like, um, you know what though, Tom? I heard... One of the reporters from Luton saying that in the press box to Nathan Jones, their manager, when they did the Zoom call. First time in 50 years, you know, and it sounded absolute. God, that's ages ago. Then I suddenly realised, I'm, 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 I'm 50 next month. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel really bloody old, I tell you, I've got yeah, to ran, admit. Around the same time as you, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, but was it a 6-1-0 defeat at home this season? Something like that? Yeah, it's, I think so, um, yeah. Ten home defeats, mm-hmm. which is wow. You yeah, know. a different world, especially compared to last season, which was kind of the it was kind of the cornerstone, wasn't it? Especially it was, yeah, yeah. North End, since they come up to the championship, it tended to be a better away side than they have at home side. Mm. I think there was there was one season on the Simon Graveson when they had a better home record, but mm-hmm. generally they were better away. But last season they made sort of steps to improve that home record didn't yeah. they? And, they, and they did it was you know yeah. it, you know they got some good results it was here, a point for them wasn't it that they wanted to make sure that was better and then and then the the away form kind of supplemented the the, the home form that you'd expect from a team really wasn't it and, and they did it yeah that's right first. yeah but then this season you know we had that ridiculous run at the start mm. of the season where i think it was five home defeats yeah. on the bounce and um didn't even score i don't think in five of those and then yeah. it it's it, it, got a little bit better at times you know they've managed it with I think five home wins but mm. you know for you know this te- 10 home defeats is just far too many and this yeah. 1-0 scoreline it's just showing what they've always said it's the old fine margins which way are they dipping and they're dropping against against North End you yeah. know so it was a tight game it was an awful watch you have to uh, you have to fill me in on the first half because like a lot of people and I follow I completely missed the first half and although I believe it wasn't the worst thing in the world to have missed it. It wasn't, no. There was, you know, there was um, tidying your sock drawer or doing the, doing the washing up would probably be more entertaining. It was just a sort of, it's, it's a game you're seeing more and more in the championship. It was mm. just a battle of attrition in the first half. A lot of it was in the air, winning, you know, winning headers, winning second balls. It was just, there wasn't a lot created. Mm. I think North End had one chance at Vandenberg, put a header over the bar yep. from a corner. 
more was going down the other end, you know, you know, looting on the attack without him looking massively threatening. To a be game fair. lacking in quality, do you reckon? That no. first forty-five at least. The whole the game I mean, lacking in quality didn't have any. Yeah. Didn't have any. Tell me, yeah. it was a, it, it was a, it was poor, poor championship fair. Yeah. It really was. But Luton that- weren't a lot better. You spoke to Luton's manager afterwards, and he was saying we probably edged a poor game. You know, mm. which. Fair assessment, really. How many times, though, have there been games at Deepdale or, or you know, or games at North End have been involved in, especially lately, where you just go, oh, it's a poor quality championship game. Mm. And it, to me, there's a point where that's no longer a coincidence, where North End are involved in these games. Yeah. That are low. And you, you've seen it in the past where North End are playing really well and they get dragged down with another team. Maybe North End do that to other sides where they're not at it, they're not playing well, and they bring the standard of the game down. And you know, and then in those moments, it often hinges on who can take the chance. And let's be fair, it's very rarely North End that are able to take chances in general or create them for a start. At the moment, the, the phrase is you weren't a right to play in a game. Mm. And I think Luton and Preston just spent the first half sort of trying to <laughs> earn the right and not earning it, you know. <laughs> so Luton earned it slightly a little bit more you know like mm. one or two closer calls you'd say but second half as well it didn't nothing got a little bit better I thought but not, yeah. not a great deal and it was just typical of you know the way things have been going recently 83rd minute these are the games when North we, we talked at length about draws in the last week's mm. podcast and how North End haven't had any you know enough Yeah. now this was one where it was a it was a to use an Alex Nealism, it was a crap game. Yeah. I do apologise. We, we won't go into Ryan Letson's versions. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it was one of those games, right? It, it, a crap game. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna win it, you try and you just eke out a draw, take the nil-nil, go home again, forget about it, mm. put it to one side and try and do better next week. Start <laughs> again. 83rd minute, yeah. cross into the box. Uh, Jewsbury Hall, who sounds like a wedding reception yeah. venue, formerly yeah. of, of Blackpool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doesn't they sound like a wedding reception venue? <laughs> yeah. Where, where, you, where yeah. you get married at Jewsbury Hall? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, rustic, rustic location. Yeah. Yeah. Rustics. But Jewsbury Hall stuck out a leg. Um, yeah. Got a touch on the ball. It was some safe from Daniel Everson. Yeah. Ball drops beyond the far post. James Collins come on the sub. Scored a hat trick against North End mm-hmm. at Kenilworth Road in December. He returns it into the middle and. It, it hit Everson and Everson and, obliges yeah but to be fair Everson was on his knees from yeah. the original save he didn't know much about it he was like I need to get back in this position yeah. and then it ends up now yeah. I've watched it back technically it is an own goal yeah. because I don't know if Collins's you know shot was going to go in or was it going to go across goal mm. but if you have a look at the replays if Everson hadn't cut it out or divert it into his net. There was a, la- a Luton lad stood two yards from goal who would have yeah. just tapped it in, you know. And so. Ryan Ledson almost made that point, didn't mm. he, post-match, that they had three men in the box at that point. And then, you know, I think it was Galley puts a cross in towards the end, he said, and uh, and there was no one in there for North End. Mm. So in the way that, yes, they get a shade of luck that Everson puts it into his own net, mm-hmm. you kind of make your own luck in that if you'd have missed it, there's someone there to tap it in anyway. And I know Alex Neal said that recently that, you know, you make your own look and all this sort of stuff. You just got to keep working hard. I suppose Luton did that in that scenario. North End weren't cutting it. Yeah, and you, you know, you look at you, you look at what Luton did. They put James Collins on from the bench, mm-hmm. leading goal scorer early in the season. Mm-hmm. Lost his place recently to Elijah Adibo, Adibo, the big six foot four lad who they brought yeah. in from Walsall. So they brought him off after a bit. Put Collins on for the last twenty. They put Tom Ince on, and. Uh, they went quite attacking Luton. Mm-hmm. Fair play. Obviously, you know, their manager has seen the pattern of the game, probably knows what North End's home record and recent form's been like. Yep. And he's obviously thought, well, if we get a nil-nil, that'll be okay. But, you know, there may be a couple of points, you know, more points to be had here if they can just get a goal. And Would an Alex you know, Neal of old done the same thing? I think so, yeah. yeah. But not at the moment. No, no, he made his substitutions, didn't he? Mm. But again, quite like for like. Mm-hmm. Kept the same formation for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Emil Reese was left on the bench. You know, fair enough, he brought Maguire, he brought Barcazen on as a first couple of changes, didn't he? Yeah. Then the pots one comes, then the surprise probably, you know, the, the you know the ace card, I suppose, you know, the slightly different one was Billy Bowden. Just yeah. coming in, it's he, twice now that's happened, mm. he's had his injury layoff. He came in at, out of the blue at Sheffield Wednesday at the end of January for 
20 minutes off the bench or whatever it was. Mm. And then exactly, then we just disappeared from view again, and I think with another injury and then building himself back to It's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Because sometimes I feel like he's probably around it and maybe out of favour, maybe not quite there, but then he'll get thrown in in moments like that and you think maybe he is in favour. Obviously, his contract's running out, so you always you, you naturally kind of go that route as to whether... I mean, likelihood is he probably won't be kept on with his injury record, but you kind of think, is he in... Because Alex Neal has been a man with, with favourites. There's no way around that. But you, you kind of wonder, is he was he in there? And then he'll kind of crop up and you're like, no. oh... Right, yeah. and it is. It can be a bit strange. I think there's definitely still a player in there. I mean that that goal in the. Fr- I, I mean, it counts for nothing. But the goal in the friendly against West Ham at <laughs> Deepdale was uh, <laughs> something else. He's a, was he, oh, he, he is a good player on his day, but mm. that day comes. You mm. know, unfortunately for Billy Bolden, injuries have like yeah. hindered. Comes him. every few months. We're doesn't not, it? Yeah, um, they're not a charity at the end of the day. They're yeah. trying to improve the squad and build on it. And they need some spare cash knocking around. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in, you know, a bit of a um, a consequence, I'm afraid. Yeah. But just talking to those subs, so you know, it was those four subs. Bowden was the fourth one. Potts, uh, on the third one, Potts came on, yep. and it was Galley for Ledson in the last few minutes. I think Ledson had run his race two training sessions after five weeks out, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought Galley actually added a bit of quality in that last few yeah. minutes, but. You know, but as I say, we go back to substitutes. It was, you know, one striker on all the time. You know, Evans started it. They brought Maguire on, but played him wide. And then towards the end, they brought Evans off, and Maguire switched up front. You know, mm. so it's just yeah. You kind of just want to see him, and and he's done it in the past, and the Alex Neil, where you just want to kind of throw caution to the window with quotes. And I'm, I think I mentioned it last week's podcast, flying around of uh, of him saying, "I'd rather go out and try and win the game mm-hmm. when we're drawing than you know." And I, I, circumstance obviously different where. Mm-hmm points are the necessity especially yeah. with relegation looming who knows yeah. all this sort of stuff now but it was almost a sign of the times and you could kind of you kind of got the sense after looting games that you know Grim Reaper almost tapping on the shoulder sort of thing where you think uh it just seems like this could just be the end yeah yeah just the but <laughs> it was just the way that as you say with the substitutions it was they were put Luton's subs were more attacking, I mm-hmm. thought, to go and win the game. North Ends were sort of fresher legs to try and have a look at possibly winning the game, but also making sure they still didn't lose it. Yep. And neither worked, obviously. Is it, you know, I know our colleague Craig did a, a piece on it. Do you think Alex Neal was almost kind of resigned to his fate? Yeah. In a way? It's all, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he'd been told before it was he had to win, but there was... Mm. No, doesn't tend to happen that though. No, people, I, you, you just get a feeling, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe detected that feeling around the place. We'd started to feel it. I think all the fans would start to feel this. Yeah. This was a must-win game. I described it as that in the build-up. Seen loads yeah. of fans, especially with the timing of the international yeah. break. All yeah. these sorts of things that kind of felt yeah. almost against Alex Neal's mm-hmm. favour in in the time and and, yeah. and Luton, very similar team. But, in yeah. position and things like that. But yeah, things were just, you know, and things sort of just sort of started to focus towards this, this, you know, with with the position in the table. Not terrible on paper at the moment, mm. 16th, but with fixtures ahead and what's happening below them and rather than having games in hand, mm. it's just sharpening the mind a little bit and looking yeah. down and causing quite a bit of anxiety. Interestingly, though, it's the latest in a season that North End have ever sacked a manager looking back so with managers we tend to go how many managers they've had since the Second World War I don't Mm. know why the Second World War (laughs) seems to be but it seems to be a focal point probably because a lot of clubs used to have committees and run that way and just Mm -hmm. had a trainer in the past and then managers became more you know, after the war, it was sort of one bloke picking the team, etc. Um, so, just having a look back, and when North End have sacked plenty of managers down the years, but it's mm-hmm. tended to be the winter months, November through to February. Yeah, the uh, you know a lot have come, a lot have come December recently. You know, we sacked three on the bounce, didn't we? You know, like mm. Irving, Ferguson, and yep. Phil Brown all got sacked around the same time of year. Um, but we've never sacked as late as March, so. I think, it, it, I think that might have indicated that until Survival. recently, 
it wasn't in the minds. It wasn't yeah. in the mind, It wasn't a long term project. Oh yeah, we can. You know, I'm a bit worried we can sack. I think that worry has really crept in yeah. over the last couple of weeks, really. And uh, I've written a piece today. They are in survival mode. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. But talk, talking to Alex Neil after the match, his, his Zoom press conference, he looked a beaten man. He looked tired. Mm. He looked. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't grumpy with anyone, you know. He was like very open, very mm. honest. To be fair, and tactically, you know, he did. He, you know, talked a little bit through the game, but the way he was going, the way he was talking, he he just run out of ideas, really, yeah. and run out of bit confidence in himself. Almost, he he's obviously he keeps going back to the January transfer window. Mm-hmm. How the the churn of players as of eight in eight out has affected things. Now a lot of the players who have left went you know, a good group of players who have left went for game time elsewhere because they weren't yeah. playing in. So I don't think Harrow, they're Earl, etc. They're not really in the equation, I don't think. But the big ones are Pearson Davis and Darnell Fisher. Now Pearson, I think they were resigned to him going. Yeah. I think he'd made it clear recently you know like the Bristol City game after his, after the match then 16th of January uh, Alex Neal said look Ben Pearson's not here today uh, I want he's players fit. he's yeah. fit but I that want players kind of who are more dedicated point. to the cause you know and yeah. i.e. they've got more midfielders and by then they could play him Davis they were expecting to stay see out mm. his contract and go to Celtic on a Bosman disappointing to lose him but disappointing that he chose Liverpool yeah, no, no, but no but but you know the the resigned to him going but yeah. the, in their own heads they had another four or five months of him yeah. through to the end of the season it meant it meant a last minute sort of switch around to yeah. plans or but then suddenly like Liverpool coming in which don't don't get me wrong you know yeah. I know he's not played there but it's still a dream move you know go to yeah. Liverpool go on whatever money they've paid him the prestige of going there and yeah. It might not have worked out for him so far, and it might not do. But he can he can say, you know, no, no one's going to turn that transfer down. Yeah. So and they still lost, learn a lot. They lost Davis suddenly from the sort of Sunday before the transfer window the following day. Mm-hmm. But then one of the big ones, I'm just detecting Darnell Fisher for Alex Neal. He did not expect to lose Darnell Fisher. Fisher, he divides opinion. We said this on last week's podcast. You love him or you hated him. Some some. You know, somebody's some, just sick of him. Yeah, some exactly. Some fans, you know, you know, don't like his antics. I don't like him going down. I don't like his outhousery with the uh, <laughs> yeah. with, 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 with with the officials. You know, the going down, the constantly free kicks, the yellow cards, disciplinary, get rid. Mm. Others, no, you could see he fitted in. You know how Alex Neil wanted to play. Mm-hmm. You had to sort of their view was you had to take that side of uh, Darnell Fisher's character just as part of him you know fair enough yeah. he was going to miss games through suspension he was going to annoy you in the same way that Ben Pearson did a similar yeah. thing but he fitted he... but he fitted into the system and yeah. the fact that he's playing a centre half there out of position instead we tried Alan Brown there so he wasn't going to be you know he wasn't replaced and I do think the Fisher one was a real big one for Alex Neal I really do mm. and 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 he'd, he'd lost confidence in himself of how he could get the best out of that squad he decided he got it into his head he decided rightly or wrongly that without the two bends he couldn't play out from the back which is a little bit defeatist. He's a little bit lacking in confidence in the other players. And in himself, you know, he's a good coach, I'm sure. It's not that difficult. How much does a left centre-half really contribute to the whole team playing out? I mean, Ben Davies has played alongside Paul Huntington, who doesn't play out from the back in the past, and been all right. You could put someone... I mean, Jordan Story, I think, is quite decent at playing out from the back. Put him next to Liam Lindsay, who is no... He's not terrible on the ball, something like that. Mm -hmm. And you can build from it. Ben Whiteman's brilliant on the ball, so I don't think that's a massive loss compared to Ben Pearson. I found that as a bit of a... I don't know. Without trying to be I don't know like condescending or anything like that maybe just a bit more coaching or a bit more mm-hmm. focus on that element a bit and more belief in his, yeah a bit more belief in himself as a coach at that point yeah and a bit more belief in those players maybe the the belief part was like because of the results it I was mean, lacking but did he have old... everything perfect when he first came in because no. he had that football straight away when he came in and he, had, he wouldn't have had the players absolutely perfect for that because Simon Grayson didn't mm-hmm. so it wasn't an overnight thing to have those plays in pro- 
be, to be able to do that. Yet mm. the style of football was quite overnight, and he, and he transformed yeah. it very quickly. So I, I didn't really understand that whole. Uh, and the, Ben and Davis was the yeah yeah <laughs> was the uh, like. And he did play games this season without Ben Davis. Yeah, and you know I remember he went to Reading and won three nil. I think Huntington and Story played that night. Mm. He was playing out from the back. Okay, you know mm. they had Rafferty at left back as well. I don't think they had a left footer in the team. Yeah, but he managed to sort of build and counter. You know, um, but. You look at it, well, why couldn't they build through midfield a bit more? I thought mm. Ben Whiteman's very comfortable on the ball. He loves dropping deep to come and get it. Too deep, in my opinion, at times. Mm-hmm. But he's he, he's a link there. So why not trust him to like uh, come a bit, you know, come a bit yeah. deeper, get the ball sort of knocking Put the responsibility around. on him and let him rise yeah. to it. And things but the like alternative that. of deciding not to build from the back as much was to was to launch it, and it, that that mm. just was clear to see it was not working. Mm. You know, so so you could go. You know, you're looking at two different strands there. You're looking at the coach manager losing confidence in himself and he could look towards the hierarchy of when it came to that squad rebuild. He hadn't been given the tools, he hadn't been mm-hmm. given the resources adequately to to replace adequately. Yeah. I, I have a lot of sympathy for him in that regard in that mm-hmm. over the years he has l- routinely lost his yeah. best players and not mm. been given the appropriate yeah. resources yeah. We, to we, replace them. We said, we've said, Tom, um, it's averaging out, basically. A top player was sold every six months, averaging out. It didn't happen every six months. But yep. if you average it out, Hugo went in the first January window that he was there, six months into his, his tenure. Yep. Um, Greg Cunningham went at the end of that first season. Then you had a full season where players were still there, but then Callum Robinson went. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of had last season, but then they've lost Ben Davis and they've lost Ben Pearson this time. And and you could factor in, you know... And you had all the rumblings of Daniel Johnson and Alan Brown, Brown to go yeah. with it. And mm. Yeah, it's... It would have been interesting to see how this season gone without the transfers, without the um, contract situations, mm. and without. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not naive enough to say North End will never sell a player. Every club sells players. Mm. You know, sometimes it's unavoidable. You, you're going to lose Ben Davis to Liverpool once they came in. No doubt about it. Yeah. But it would just have been interesting to see had you know, like with hindsight, how it would have gone. You yeah. know, just without the saga, it's the difficult season with with the no fans in as well from from the, from the start. It's just it's just been a strange old thing, and I mm. just think it's conspired against Neil. But at times he hasn't helped himself. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many there are only so many times where you can take one step forward, two steps back in terms of you know improving performances of maybe individuals and then losing them, and then not expect to go backwards mm-hmm. um, but like I say I do think of late if if Alex Neil had been maybe trying to play the same kind of football that we've been used to in terms of the high press and the, a lot of playing out from the back and, and quick interchanges in midfield into the forward areas if he'd still been trying to do that and it wasn't coming off you can almost go well the, the thought is there you know mm-hmm. at least he's trying to give us something to watch whereas it's it's very much if you're going to lump it forward, mm-hmm. you have to get results yeah. because and and Tony Pulis is, is a prime example who plays very direct football, and as soon as his teams start, I mean, even if his teams are winning, sometimes the fans aren't happy, and as soon as they start not winning, even drawing, mm-hmm. it the tide changes very quickly, and I think you know the fans. I think it was initially a fairly slow process in terms of turning against him, but I think it's really snowballed over these last few weeks, and I think that is something that, and you wrote about it recently, didn't you, something that would seemed quite irreparable at, at this point as well, didn't yeah. it? One thing I will sort of want to put, I don't know, put my view on it, is I, I, I've read a little bit from people saying, oh, it's, it's been crap for two years. It's not. No. You know, um the first season in terms of league position, we seventh this time last yeah. year. Weren't we? Yeah, but but in terms of end league position, seventh in the first season, yep. two points off the playoffs, finished the season really strongly after a poor middle, mm. really good first season. Second season recovered from a poor start; they were bottom at one point. Mm. Two good unbeaten runs, got themselves up to sixth place. Well, seventh it was, goal difference behind sixth place. Had that horrible sort of one win in eight at the end to fall away. Last season, top of the league at one point. Top of the league, 
in November after mm-hmm. beating Charlton. One nil. Um, lost a few players with injury. Had a bad sort of late November, December. Recovered quite well in January and February. But then just going into that lockdown period, I think they lost three on the bounce, haven't mm. we? And then the re- since then, and then the restart, it's been a bit, it's been downhill from there. Yeah. So to to trace this back two years is wrong. Mm-hmm. Probably you're looking, you know, like fair enough, they'd lost three going into the into the lockdown, but one of them was Fulham. Who were one of them was at promoted. Fulham. One of them was at West Brom. The disappointing yeah, uh, yeah. one. The disappointing one was home to QPR. The last. Yeah. The last that game. was uh, when they went down to ten men and still managed yeah. to score. QPR. And we're winning as well. We're yeah. winning one nil. Um, so I think you more on the last sort of twelve. You know, the twelve yeah. months throughout. You know sort of started to sort it, of tail off it's quite representative of the world representative of the world really as soon as lockdown hit yeah. every whoo, absolutely just, just yeah. everything just yeah. tailed off our mood seems to have tailed off hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um i think and we'll i think we'll might be worth doing a, a podcast on this another time but i think one thing that stuck out to a lot of fans uh, while we're still on the topic of, of alex neil is when he said I just want to go and crawl under my bed for the next few days. And, and we've said that, you know, he, he was probably at the end of his tether and he ran out of ideas, all these sorts of things. But, you know, that mental side of the game and, and people questioning his commitment and how much he wanted it. And Ryan Ledson spoke after the game about how he's there seven in the morning till six at night. No one works harder than him, all this sort of stuff. You know, the toll this takes, and, and we'll never understand it, but to be a guy who works, say, six till seven every day, um, takes his work home with him, is then scrutinised by thousands of people, vilified at times, a hero at times, so up and down, all this sort of stuff. Mm. You know, you do kind of have to spare a thought, thought for this man who's who's now lost his job, whose family has settled around here and has got an, an uncertain future and, you know, is going through a lot. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, he did look a beaten man on... Um you know, on, on Saturday, I think I think he when he said, "Oh, I want to go and crawl under my duvet and not come out for two days." I think it was it was a response to questions more of like, "What does the international break have in store for you? Yeah. Are, are the lads coming into train? Are you giving them a few days off? Will you be having bounce games? Will you be yeah. working on certain straight back things? on the horse, Alex?" Yeah, etc. And his response, I think his response was, "I think I think the plan to have the Sunday and the Monday off, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think he just wanted like." probably like his players just to crawl away you yeah. know and he, you know he, he needed a rest you know mm. like it's been an intense period all this Saturday and Tuesday the start of the season it was international break sort of coming every four or five weeks you know the first three wasn't it but then this this one it's been a, a long grind basically from November through to now and uh, the guy was tired you know yeah. like he was down he was drained as you say football manager's job now you know you you're looking after the players, you've got the fans' feelings to think about, you've got the board, you know, mm. sort of having a look, you know, scrutinising what you're doing. And <clears throat> like in life, it does get, it, you know, it does get tough, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think now that I'm not, I'm not saying he was expecting to get the sat- that Saturday night or on Sunday, but, you know, he, what, what he was saying, he wanted a couple of days off, he wanted to go and recharge the batteries. Yeah. And now he has got the sack. You'd expect he can use the next couple of months to sort of get that downtime, spend time with the family. You know, he's got a wife and two kids around there and a dog. You know, I'm sure the mm. dog will be getting walked. You know, just probably getting a little bit of time to do all those things that <laughs> you've not had a lot of time to do lately, yeah. especially with lockdown. You know, so and I'll I'll go on to this because you mentioned obviously the pressure from the board and all this sort of stuff. I've taken that the mental health one and. Um, and, and this one kind of as a suggestion off, off Twitter if you want to get in touch with us at Tom Sandals at said LEP if you want anything particularly uh, discussed in the podcast we'll be happy to oblige but where or how much blame if that's the right word lands at the feet of the board and those above Alex Neil we mentioned before um, kind of it all come quite quickly and, and the plan was probably to keep Alex Neil in, in post until the end of the season and they've kind of had to act and obviously they've they've kept Frankie McAvoy in as an interim head coach who's still a part of the old regime which sometimes I mean it's probably more unlikely than likely isn't it Let all, well, more no. uncommon than common I should say mm-hmm. um, in terms of him being like Alex's assistant they that normally happened, they normally go happened a lot before at Preston yeah I suppose if you think I, you know I, I go back in general 
you know, I go back to the 70s, Nobby Styles took over from Harry Catrick, mm. who's coaching. I mean, even Tomo, then, who's there at the moment. Yeah, then you go back to Les Chapman taking over from John McGrath. Mm. You go Gary Peters taking over from John Beck. David Moyes taking over from, yeah, from Gary Peters. You. Yeah. you talk Billy Davis taking over from Craig Brown. So not unusual at all at Preston, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think with the with with the Frankie McAvoy one, I think we'll probably move on to that in a minute. Mm. We can go back to the board question in a minute. Um, with, with, with McAvoy, for the, the the sort of preconception of a lot of people was that it would be Steve Thompson and Paul mm. Gallagher getting it as McAvoy came with Neil. Yeah. Because um, normally, yeah, having worked with him at Ham- Hamilton and Norwich, now he brought um, Frankie McAvoy and gave him the. He got the title of first team coach, as did Steve Thompson, who was already here with that job. So mm-hmm. rather than make someone as, as a number two, and yeah. yeah, it was like two things, you know, like two people on the same sort of job scale, if you know what I mean. Yep. But. Frankie was always seen as with him coming with Alex. Yeah. He was always seen more as a number two. You would have thought, but um, but that, it's not unusual for for an assistant to step up. You know, mm. may, m- might not happen full time. You know, like it, who knows what's going to happen in the summer or beyond this. But it, it's not unusual to put the assistant in charge. I don't mm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not really the the type to be a manager. I know we mentioned it a little bit before coming on air mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily strike you as the type to keep it long term no, it's more no. just a, a sort of post until it, the end it, of the season it looks like that I spoke with no offense Peter Isdale was made the usual oh we don't want a revolution we want you know if Frankie wants a job he can audition for it and get mm-hmm. it he'd like him to get it i.e. that means if he does well it well, it means North End have got points on the board and he's given himself a chance. Frankie McAvoy's 53 now. He's never been a manager. He was at Hamilton for a long time, both in, in the, the youth, academy. Yeah, yeah, the youth set up the academy. Um, were, you know, came on board Alex when Alex took over as manager. Obviously, you know, liked what he saw from him and added him to his staff. And he took him to Norwich and he's taken him to Preston. You know, when I've gone over the other assistant managers at North End who have stepped up into the manager's role, they seem the more natural fit to step up. If you think mm. of Gary Peters was ready to sort of replace John Beck when he was there. Um, Moisey replacing Peters was the most natural manager yeah. in waiting. Yeah. Although at the time, both were seen as not the ideal candidates. I know when... Uh, people frowned when Gary Peters took over from John Beck because, you know, they'd come together from Cambridge and both seen as these long ball merchants. But Gary Peters took a step away from that and got him playing some fantastic stuff. When David Moyes replaced Gary Peters, the popular choice was Ian Rush at the time. Mm. Uh, he was a rumoured one. But, but Moyes was the most probably natural manager in waiting, ready to step up, and mm. he proved himself. Billy Davis, who was here with Craig Brown, Billy had been a manager before this at Motherwell, so he was like stepping back from being a number one back into being an assistant yeah. and talked to people who worked under him at the time steadily as Craig Brown's era went on. Billy was playing more and more a role on the training pitch and, you know, he was he was ready to step up. He really was. If Frank, it, you know, it might come as a surprise that Frankie's been asked to ste- step up to himself as well, which, mm. is, which is interesting maybe, you know, it's his first time he's done this, so... It's certainly a brave one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but back to the board, you were saying about, about the board where their involvement is. I think, I think in football, you win together and you lose together mm. and you should be criticised. You know, like you get the praise as a club when you're doing well. When things aren't going well, it's a collective responsibility. And then mm. January ended up being probably too chaotic. Eight in, eight out was wonderful for us for writing about <laughs> yeah. it. Social media was like brilliant to, Never to a be dull part day. of. Never a dull day, no, because the previous two windows have been pretty, you know, dull. You know, there's yeah. not a lot happening. Um, but suddenly, this was brilliant. You know, like signings a day, every day, rumours. Mm. You know, build up to signings. Yeah. And this is a North End. <laughs> no, probably in January you had very few days where there wasn't something bubbling under. You had the contract situation as well, but probably it was 
too much in such a short space of time. You might have done it more over a summer where a season finished early May and started again August. Space it out, but to, to squash it into a sort of a month and a day yeah. was like probably a lot. So planning situation, the board have to take some criticism there. Yeah. I mean, even things like the 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 contract situation, mm-hmm. that is something that is completely in the board's control. Whether yeah. mm-hmm. I know there was a lot up in the air and if you want to hang around and see just in case they do sign, mm-hmm. that's fine. But you've also got to then foot the blame when it disrupts the first yeah. minimum six months of your season that yeah. you got to say look we you know it's risk and reward we risked mm. the disruption of this season to hopefully maybe keep a few of them here the alternative was just to sell in the summer yeah. and and have a way with it and have a, a full squad that's focused hindsight's a wonderful thing and you probably go to be fair they probably should have sold them earlier on and saved a lot of disruption and last, saved a lot of this yeah. sort of stuff last summer wasn't a proper window was it right mm. it's a really weird window but i think i think the lesson learned is that However, it might not seem great at the moment where if if we see some players coming through and think, oh, they're great to watch and you know that they're going to get sold, you know, but it might just be the model that if it's a thing for, with our model, if you bring some good players through, mm. polish them up and sell them on, effectively you've got to be selling two years to 18 months before the end of the contract, you yeah. know. Probably value starts dropping a year or so before. You think of Jordan Hugel, I think, had 18 months left on his yeah. contract when he was sold. That was peak. Nine and a half million for him. Yeah, that, even, that was peak price. You yeah, know? yeah, even Callum Robinson, seven, seven, seven yeah. million with but 12 that was months left. Year left yeah. that, was, that was still decent. Greg Cunningham, four million yeah. with, with 12 months left. That's not, yeah. not too but bad. I, but I think for peak money... You think what they could have got. Yeah, yeah. peak money, you're probably going to look 18 months minimum. You know, yeah. and, and some clubs... You know, the Brentford do it. You know, mm. they will sell when they have to. You know, but will it and get reinvested? Yeah, that that's the point. You've got to reinvest it. Total, well, not every penny, but mm. you've got to invest a decent chunk into it. You know, even if it, it's just more than we're seeing at the moment. Mm. I think, if nothing else, and, and I'm not one to say this is how much you should be spending, because if you can spend one million and get. A, a good quality player mm-hmm. there is no point spending two million on a similar quality but that just doesn't no. make sense no. but i think as much as anything for the fans at the moment and there is a very fractured atmosphere around the fans and the club and um, i think they just want to see a bit more put in mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know what it comes across as maybe efforts are, efforts are wrong word but just that sort of an ambition probably isn't quite right either, but do you know what I mean? Where they just want to see, right, we've watched this player, we've got excited about this player, we can't have this player anymore, but here's someone to get excited, here's our next one. You know? The trouble is the next, you know, like sometimes you see the replacement, mm. the replacement comes in and the replacement is a replacement for the type of player they had on the hands mm. a couple of years ago who mm. polished up and now they have to spend another two yeah. years polishing that player up there. You Think about the fan reactions to Callum Robinson and Jordan Hugel early in their North End career. There, there was there were so many fans that would have driven them wherever mm. they needed yeah. to go to get them out of the club. And by the end of it, you know, number nine, number seven, they are, you mm. know, the star players at North End. And that didn't, that definitely didn't happen overnight. No, that, no, you gotta, it's got to be a build. But sometimes, yeah. you, you know, you got to, when you do let someone go mm-hmm. for good money, You've got to reinvest it. Maybe not go back to the sort of level and get an absolute raw diamond and have to polish it up. Yeah, you know, mate, you need to go maybe yeah, what, a bit one less step down. You know, yeah. like and that and that take that extra bit of money. In which case, yeah. it might satisfy fans a little bit more, and they go, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a little bit more. Essentially, you've got to pay that extra to speed up the process, haven't you? Sometimes you do, yeah. Sometimes it's not so much the fee, it's the, it's the wage that goes mm-hmm. with the fee, which has been the difficulty now. They have broken the mould with the DJ and Brown contracts, yeah. what were the same, same ones that were offered to Davis and Pearson. So may, maybe they are starting, you know, they can push the wage ceiling up a, a little bit more. I think it's often that's a sort of a, a, a tipping, a falling down point, really. And with Frankie McAvoy as the interim head coach, mm. that does kind of lead yep. to, uh, um, you know, inferences that you can make potentially to a new manager coming in in the summer that it might be a head coach role, which while well, we're still on the subject of the board, then puts more emphasis on them, yeah. more spotlight on them and more onus on them to deliver. Mm-hmm. If if the manager is just here to coach, yeah. 
that means he won't be judged on the players that are brought in as it much. Might be cut, it might be cutting down a grey area, this, because at the moment, when you've got a manager <clears throat> and a board, you know, like, people talk about Alex Neal signings or Simon mm-hmm. Grayson signings or whatever. Now, a lot of signings at every club nowadays, we've said this before, are club signings, you know, can they fit into what our budget, our wage bill, our, what fees we can afford, where they need to strengthen and whatever. Um, but it's a, it's more of a collective decision. Oh, we've seen this player, Alex, could you work with him? Yeah. Or Frankie, could you work with him? And and the, Or the manager might have gone, I've seen this lad, I like the look of him. Can we fit him onto our mm. wages? If not, there's someone else I fancy. Now, Can you work with him and do you want him? Yeah, are different yeah. questions as yeah, well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they've ever signed a player who they wouldn't want, mm. um, a manager wouldn't want. But the, the question will always be, could you work with him? And a lot of the time it will be yes, you know, and I'm sure there will, be, there will have been players who might have been put there. Would you fancy him? I just can't see him fitting in, you know, and it's not worked. Um, but... If if it was to go down a head coach role, which Frankie McAvoy's got this title interim at the moment, if that's a, a precursor to the summer, where whether it's him or someone else gets a job, they're coming in as first team coach, head coach or whatever, that that will put that will sort of point more to the the de- you know the transfer dealings being more done off, off the pitch, if you know what yeah. I mean, higher up. Yeah, and will that? scare people off so for example we'll come into it now we'll come into it that who could come in all these sorts of things would it put certain managers off not what well, i say managers specifically i suppose that people that want to come in and manage the club they don't want i mean i think a big part of alex neil not going to west brom was that there'd be a bit too much going on upstairs and he wouldn't yeah. have enough control and we'll come on to more specifically in terms of who will come in but the, the favourite, I think, at the moment with the bookies is Gareth Ainsworth. Yeah. He is very much the manager of Wickham. He's involved with a lot of stuff there. W- would someone like him, maybe not necessarily specifically him, but that kind of mould, mm. would they want to come in as a head coach? Maybe not, maybe not. But if, if they did know that a, a certain amount of money was being spent on a, pl- a type mm-hmm. of player... They could work if they saw that the budget was higher at the club they've got at the moment. They yeah. might think if it's chance, very defined role. Yeah, if it's not, you know, if not, not quite me going out to make the signings, but if 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 the type of signings are making is attractive, mm-hmm. I don't think it will pull off. I really don't. I think you've got to. Uh, I think North End have taken a bit of a battering lately, um, and but as long as they do stay up, that is, they are a championship side now. Managers want to manage in the championship. They don't want the higher, obviously, but mm. there's a lot of people who will want to manage in the championship. North End have got a good name, you know. Mm. I do think that we, we are like when you're close to a club, you sometimes don't recognise that. Looking, you know, we're all we we can sometimes come across as a bit doom and gloom <laughs> as reporters, <laughs> as fans, or whatever. You know, like yeah. as, as, as they do a bit of every, a pessimistic bunch. Aren't they, they, no, but <laughs> I think every club's like that. You know, yeah. when it's on your doorstep, when it's your club, you know, like it's oh, what could go wrong here? You know, but people for looking from the outside, you often have a better view of it. You know, like you, you heard Neil Warnock in the build up to when North End played up there last week, the Middlesbrough manager, like, praising North End to high heaven. And it wasn't just pre-match talk. It was yeah, a it genuine... It wasn't just, oh, they're a good side, you know, they've got a great manager. Did he play stand- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Play, you know, it was a, there was a genuine sort of affection for the place, you know. And I think I think, I think there is, you know, it's a traditional name. So I, they, they won't be short of, should they decide to look beyond what's here at the moment, they're not going to be short of offers. You never are. See, my my little sort of bugbear with this situation, I think, in terms of board level, it does just seem, and probably stretches to the season as a whole, it has just seemed a little disorganised from the outside looking in. In the situation with the contracts being able to rumble on, um, with giving Alex up until this point, and, you know, the, the, a decision could have been made sooner because this form hasn't come out of nowhere. This no. situation hasn't really come out of nowhere um, they could have acted sooner if the idea was not to keep him. Obviously, the plan was to keep him, and they've jumped at it, and they bring it. They appoint Frankie as the interim until at the end of the season, where they don't have someone lined up, and it keeps things a little bit more up in the air, which 
a lot of this season has been spent up in the air in terms of the players, the contracts, all this sort of stuff, what could happen. Um, and as a North End fan, I'd kind of just like that to stop. <laughs> it's, there's been so much up in the air. There's been so much kind of going on. It does almost that the, there isn't. And it, I don't, it leaves a, a sour taste in my mouth when I see clubs sack a manager and within an hour they've got a new man in and you think uh, you've been talking whilst, you know. And I, I know it happens to a point. I, I don't know, maybe like four or five days, give it a, a polite sort of grace period before you bring someone in, I think. But like... But like Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. you see clubs do it in the same statement. It's like, oh, this guy's gone, but we've got another, don't worry, guys. But um, I think, no, I've, I've, I sometimes think, you know, if you're going to sack a manager, unless it's unless you're purely looking for a get, you know, a bounce, mm. you should have the succession plan yeah. in your mind. I don't mind. I'm, I'm all for that. You know, an hour between appointments if needs be. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, you're having it. He's 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 the bringing the manager into the office. Right, we don't need you anymore. And the other one's coming in straight after. And they'll, they'll cross each other in the in well, the hallway. Apparently, at Birmingham the other week when they got rid of Karanke, yeah. the the door the, he told him on the Saturday he was going. On the Sunday he had to attend a club event. Yeah, I think dinner it was, or something, wasn't yeah, it? In honor of the chairman's birthday or something. <laughs> he had to sit there and have his soup and volivants and oh. roast chicken. Where How knowing awkward. sitting there with the players who obviously f- knew about it and felt awkward, yeah. But then I think it was another four days before <laughs> they finally. Oh, by the way, you know, like uh, yeah, Charlton had announced the resignation of Lee Bowyer because he was going somewhere else. Everyone knew he was going to Birmingham, and I think yeah. it was a twenty minutes between statements or something. But yeah, yeah maybe, maybe yeah. It's 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 to me like you just kind of want, and 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 it's one of those I suppose where it's like in the summer this will all get addressed, you'd hope, or, or and things like that, but. You just kind of want to get the ship straight in a way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a bit harsh, but just kind of know where things are going. And know level. They need a more even keel. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. With, with, with Alex's sacking, this was the last time of a season you could do it. You couldn't mm. leave it later. You know, yeah. So this is the last... You know, the like latest. Yeah, the, this was the last natural break I think mm-hmm. they could do to do it, you know. and yep. uh, So, yeah. And who do you bring in, Dave? Well, at the moment, it's going to be... McAvoy for the next, you yeah. know, like. But who do you bring in? Who would I bring who in? Who do you bring in? In the summer, I would bring in, I won't go, I would like Gareth Ainsworth. Would you? Now, I put that on Twitter last night, yeah. on, on Sunday night. Got a good reaction. Some people said, no, not his style of football, not yeah. for me. Fair enough. I mm. totally understand that. Some people had a pop the fact Wickham got into the playoffs on points per game last season and yeah, it was a bit of a null away. It was a bit of a null and void sort of promotion, which I don't go along with, you know. No, like, but, you know, the. It's what happened. They weren't going to troughs in every season. Dips and troughs, peaks and troughs in every season, and they, they that was their point. And mm-hmm. you know, it's one. Of the, it was the the really good start to the season that propelled them top of the league for most of which is why yeah. that. So they were there deservedly because they'd had such a good. Yeah. And then negotiated the playoffs very well. They beat very a well. good Fleetwood side. Yeah, I saw um, both games. And then was it Oxford? They beat in the f- yep. good Oxford side yep. in the final. So. Um, no, I'd like Ainsworth. I do. I, I like Appleton as well at, mm-hmm. uh, at um, Lincoln. He had a bit of a sort of swapping clubs earlier in his managerial career, but he settled down and he settled down at Oxford. He settled down at Lincoln. You know, if Gareth Ainsworth brings Wickham style, are you happy? I don't think he would. I honestly think. As a, as a manager, you tend to be a bit more adaptable. And, if, you know, there were bits of when Wickham played against North End, you know, we had, they, they did sort of were direct to a point. But when they did get the ball down, they would play it, they would get it wide, you know. So, and I think, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was on the radar and if there were ever talks, I'm not saying they're going to be, he might be saying, look, this is what we expect a bit more of at Preston, a bit more mm. passing around. And if a manager's got anything about him and he's got an ambition and wants to go to another club or fancies another job, he will adapt to what you know what they want. But um but I like Appleton. Now moving away from the North End route, I don't necessarily mm. think it has to be a, anyone with connections, you mm. know. Would, um, a f- would a fresh look be too bad? It, not at all, not at all. So there's some interesting names out there, you mm. know. So there's, there's some of the old tired ones. Pardew gets <laughs> put forward all the time. He's the Alan Kirby's leader, yeah. isn't he? He's, I mean, he took over from him at West Ham, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Ga- Gary Monk's on in there. He's had too many clubs. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not keen not on that. Him. There's a good one, but back to the North End angle. No. Callum Davidson. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Doing a good... He left Just won the, the cup. 
Yeah, left Millwall where he was assistant manager, mm-hmm. went up to um, St. John's. Because he was at Stoke with Gary Rowett, wasn't Yeah, he, then went that? to Millwall down, yeah. went with him to Millwall and then, yeah, gone up to St. John's and won their, their league cup up there, the Ladbrokes Cup, I think is it called. So, you know, he's doing well. He's another one, you know, and like then you've got all the usual old favourites like Cole Robinson at mm. Oxford, who oh, I'm sure will have applied <laughs> or, or made it made it known. Grant will. McCann's one that's been Grant McCann at Hull, yeah, obviously. Now this this bit. time last season, his stock was like falling yeah. through the as were Hull, as were Hull, <laughs> and as unfortunately at North End at the moment. Yeah. And Alex Neal has referenced Hull a couple of times. Mm. What his theory because they lost Bowen Grzycki. It was those two in January, yeah. yeah. They yeah. were two wingers who they relied on heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And but then, yeah, but there, there you go with the stock of a manager. Grant after Mc- stuffing PE as yeah, well. But yeah. <laughs> Grant McCann would be, you know, loving the snake snake's belly this time last year. Yeah. Mm. Now they're sitting high in League One. Top of know. League. Yeah, and you you you, you stocks high again, you know. See so, so the thing is Alex Neal came in off the back of promotion with Norwich and yeah. got relegated. I mean, it's I think funny. that was the attraction of him. He yeah. had a promotion to the 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 attraction with Alex Neal was he had a promotion on his CV to the mm-hmm. Premier League. The attraction of Simon Grayson before that was he had a promotion League from one. League One to well, he had four, didn't he? Well, four, yeah, to to the Championship. So will he be looking for another Alex mm-hmm. Neal type? Because. And it's almost funny because it's it's a a similar scenario at the moment because I think as much as anything, North End have looked after the international break on their three tough games. Do you know? And the the Mm. fixtures to come, I think, have played a part in it. Norwich were outside of the relegation zone for a lot of the season that they went down, but the final five games were like five of the top six, seven, eight, something like that. And they ended up dropping into the relegation zone. Alex Neal joined the club off the back of... A, a playoff win and he, he'd had a very good start you're suggesting Gareth Ainsworth mm-hmm. who will most likely his last season will have been relegated from the division rock bottom yeah. there's uh, Michael Appleton who is yet to have a promotional mm-hmm. CV never managed at this level I yeah. don't think um, and then Callum Davidson who again has managed in Scotland won a cup done well mm-hmm. um, but again unproven at this level mm-hmm. If you look at it kind of objectively at that stance, is this appointment as ambitious as the last one likely? Or will this this likely appointment mm-hmm. be as ambitious as the as maybe Alex Neal coming in? Mm-hmm. And I'd say that because you're not going to consider someone like Eddie Howe or Chris no. Wilder that get the they, they, mentioned. They would be absolutely you know ideal you know. Mm. But Eddie Howe was homesick at Burnley. Yeah, he's not going to come up here. I wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Wilder, they're already talking about him either the Celtic job or the West Brom job. If um, you know, if Allardyce goes, it's a case of like Wilder doing what he did at Sheffield United and you know trying yep. to get them back up. So they would be great appointments, yep. but yeah. you know we're not leaving them out on. on no, no, no. We don't but want re- them. realistically. Yep unlikely you know so no I just think maybe the club's moved on maybe maybe football's moved on a little bit for what Mm -hmm. what what they need at the moment Mm -hmm. so um, I think I I think I think with Ainsworth yeah Wickham are rock bottom they've got a tiny budget Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that they've They've not run the white flag up. They're not going down with a record number of points. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sort of their first ever season at this level. Level, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I think for me, mm-hmm. Gareth Ains. I mean, I don't. I don't really have an opinion on who to bring in because I think it's a. It's going to be a very constantly changing scenario between now and the end of the season, and especially early doors in the next season. Because I suppose as well, even with people like Eddie Howe, Chris mm-hmm. Wilder, you never know how long they're going to be out for a job for, and and what the climate's going to be like in the summer. What who can offer what? All these different things that will change the standing. One one thing with Wilder, I did read somewhere. His compensation depends on not working for six months. His full whack, right. so that might put him off. Mm. You know, until earlier next season, he so. might even be able to get a lower prem job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, yeah, you know, in January something like that. But my 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 thought is, that if Gareth Ainsworth can come in and play, it's not a similar style to Alex Neil, but a nice and a nicer brand than Wickham, I'd say. Mm. Not to be disrespectful to that, because every if you win, it really doesn't matter what kind of style you play, but having watched North End lose and be playing a poor standard of football. It's not very fun. If it, but on a personal level, 
Gareth Ainsworth is so infectious mm-hmm. as, as a fan to watch. And every time I've dealt with him, whether he's, you know, I dealt with him, to be fair, I've dealt with him a few times as, as Wickham manager and things like that. And he's an infectious character. Yeah. I remember they, they had a friendly, uh, this was before I graduated from uni, I was doing a little work for, for North End. I rung him for the North End programme, mm-hmm. uh, spoke to me, had all the time in the world for me, really easy to get hold of, all that sort of stuff, which isn't very, <laughs> which is, isn't always the case when you try to get hold of someone. But, um, and I, and I spoke to him, all that sort of stuff. It was great. It was only that night I realised he had a friendly that night with Wickham <laughs> against QPR and he's put time aside for that. So like mm-hmm. on a personal point of view, he's a really, really nice guy. And I think the fans can see that. You can see the passion for it, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And that resonates really the, well with the fan the base, ol- doesn't The it? only thing then is if things didn't go well mm-hmm. as a manager, Does it you're, taint it? you're tainting what you did as a player. You, you should try and separate him, but mm-hmm. it's hard to. Yeah. So you, you, you know, I'm not... Ainsworth sort of more sort of cult hero, I'd say. Mm. Legend straight. Legend is more Graham Alexander, I think. Yep. Um, Where does Gar- Callum Davidson fall in? I don't know, but Gareth was only here, you know, he was here in three spells, but like uh, a little spell as a kid. Mm. Came back with John Beck and had his longer spell. Yep. And then came back for a quick loan at the end. But, you know, he was that infectious figure, you know, diving in, making diving, sliding tackles head first and things like that. And he was a good player, actually. Mm. He, he could cross a ball and... Mm. Uh, um, very brave and whatever. So I put in more cult, cult hero. Yeah. Rather than and he's legend. always spoke very good of the club since leaving yeah. as well, hasn't yeah. he? Which, yeah. which helps. Callum Davidson there, you said, where did he fit in? Mm. Loyal servant, you know, but he was there quite quite a few seven, years. Eight seven, eight years? Yeah, yeah. Like seven or eight years without being an absolute firm favourite. Yeah. Um, very, very kind of steady away at left back, wasn't he? Very, really? yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think mm-hmm. he was kind of, because you had Graham Alexander generally on the other side as well, yeah. which probably took a bit more of the mm-hmm. plaudits and a bit more of the, the attention whilst Cal Davidson was doing his thing. And then took the penalty duties. Yeah, <laughs> after, yeah. we could hammer a penalty, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I just think it's an open book at the moment. Mm. It could go anyway. I think it's know? changed. And, and again, almost feels like last week where we were sitting on the fence and we were saying, yeah, it all depends, all this mm. sort of stuff. You couldn't really tell. Mm. Um, and the manner of the defeats recently kind of put mm. pay to a lot of it um but i do think especially with covid and all this sort of stuff i, I, I really do think it's a constantly moving mm. scenario that that will keep changing and all this sort of one stuff. one thing one thing i don't think we need to take too much notice of a bookies odds at the moment because <laughs> i think uh, a championship manager's book is not a big one and it doesn't take a lot of money you know, I, you and me can get off to the bookies after this. <laughs> we'll lump fifty, you know. We'll scrape together fifty quid between <laughs> us, you know, from uh, from whatever. We could put it on one person. Yeah, and dodge so, Cheltenham. So yeah, and and you know, like you only need you, you only need two or three half decent bets on it, and they have to shut the book for a bit. They don't yeah. they, you know, no more yeah. bets taken. So um, and there's not that many kind of mm. experienced sort of championship managers that like Neil Harris is in there. I as much as anything as a token championship manager mm. mid-table sort of thing here's here's a name do you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. in the same way that Mick McCarthy was often in a, in the running for near on every championship job that was going it was, yeah. it was just that, might, that might, might be the interesting one doesn't it you know like if, had this sacking been had, had someone like McCarthy been available mm-hmm might have gone for him on a very short term sort of mm. eight games till the end of the season mm. and I'll take it. You know, worked with that, worked with Warnock. Warnock last season, you know, yep. it worked really well. Have, have we got that around at the moment, you know? So. Yeah, that that kind of... Do you think Do you think that's what it needs, the kind of wiser old... Not wiser old head, but that sort of... Someone that just kind of knows what they're doing. It's been a very unsettled 12 months. Come mm-hmm. in, steady the ship. Mm-hmm. And be and, and oversee what's going to be a huge summer. Maybe in the short, I don't know. Maybe the more experienced heads just to get you through this sort of mm. initial next month or so. Yep. Then have a look at it again. You know, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen now. I really, you know, where yeah. I think that ship sailed now. But um, if the, <laughs> I think North End will stay up. They are yeah. in a relegation battle because of the games in hand Rotherham have, yep. because of the lack of form. And the three next three games. Yeah, and because <laughs> of the next three games. Now, we could be sitting here in a, two or three weeks having a totally different conversation because yeah. they've won one of those three tough matches, they've won another one, you know, yep. not too long after it, and everything's hunky-dory Give Frankie again. the job full-time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, you know, like, the landscape suddenly changes. Yeah. Or, or we could be sat here wondering where... They've not won now for getting on for two months or yeah. whatever. So yeah. it is. It is 
results will shape what's happened, I'm yeah. sure. You know? and, and I think as well, potentially even the players that are available in the summer might affect things yeah. because if they if they think there's a lot of talent there, they may go a little bit more all out on the manager and think, yeah, we could really go for it. Or, or if they suit a certain manager or he knows a certain amount of players that are coming available, there's so many moving parts. Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned it last week on last week's podcast and it's such a crap scenario to be in that you just kind of want the season to end. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's not really been the way for a while at North End, but it's just like, let's just get through this season. Yeah. They could end up, they could end up looking back thinking what was all the worry about mm-hmm. but equally yeah it could within two games yeah, yeah. within two games I'm old, enough, I'm old enough to remember like 92 93 and like north end looked safe at easter mm. lost five in a row at the end of the season on the john beck when gareth ainsworth was player and went down mm. you know like um yeah so no guarantees no none at all but you know i just you know at the moment what we gotta do you gotta if you're north end fan you just gotta Cross your fingers, you've got to hope, you know, Frankie McAvoy gets him over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's he's brave enough to sort of bring his ideas to the table, you know, not not just a carry-on of, you know, what's yeah. before. I'm sure he has. Every I think everyone's got their own slight different ideas. Yeah. He, You know, he over the next couple of weeks, he might see things on the training pitch and, and think it's worth, for the sake of it, I'm just going to change a few things around mm. just to make, just to put my marker down. It might not work, but be brave to put, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change a slight formation or this scenario's not been working down one side of the pitch. It's the same players or whatever. Let's try something a little bit different in there. And sometimes just that little bit of a different approach, a little bit of a different voice mm. on the training pitch and then on the, you know, on on the pitch on a Saturday might just do the trick. We were talking about being able to experiment with different plays and different things like that at one point, weren't not gonna, we? Not going to, you know, but... You It'd know. be nice to be able to get in. I mean, the thing mm. is, you could still get in that scenario. You could still it, get, yeah. I think as well with the new... Every caretaker manager, every new manager will say every player starts with a clean slate. Yep. Whether you're... Promoted from within or coming from the ins- coming from the outside, it might just be there is someone who's been sat on the bench for a bit, like Emil mm-hmm. Roos or something. It might be Tom Bayliss who's mm-hmm. been out of the cold, suddenly comes back in, you know, and it, it can be a spark. It might not happen. It might that that might be the football romantic in us sort of yep. discussing that. It might just be more four two three one yeah. with mm. one winger coming inside, one winger going on the outside, and but if but if you know Frankie McAvoy's worth his salt, he might just look look for some whatever reason it's not been happening yep wish it had but it hasn't let's just try something a bit different he's almost got a free hit in that if he does yeah. come in for two three games especially these three games coming up because mm. i think a lot of north end fans will go likelihood was we were going to lose mm. that anyway things like that he could just you know mm. d- drop a bomb in there and and mm. and throw change everything up and at this point what have you got to lose yeah do you mm. know what i mean especially he's got he's got a job till the end of the season minimum um, North End are in a bad trot so it can't get much worse no. you're coming up against some good sides when you've lost four out of five Tom and picked up a point in that mm. not scored for three games mm-hmm. you've got to try something a little yeah. bit different don't yeah. you yeah and, it, and like we say it can't go much worse no so no. <laughs> you know give it a go I think I think yeah. fans would appreciate it you know against mm-hmm. Norwich if they go for it mm. you know they might get picked off go down fighting yeah, rather go, than yeah, yeah. rather than trying to I'm not saying North End weren't fighting against Luton or whatever it no. just didn't you know yeah. it was the same thing they were a bit predictable yeah it, they were easy to play against, easier to play against, you know. Yeah. So and it was a more reserved approach yeah. than mm-hmm. you know, in terms of going down fighting, go and try and say right, say you're going to concede twice, try and score three and yeah. win it that way, rather than keeping it as long as you can and, and manage the game and then drop one, yeah. you know, ten minutes ago. And one thing, Tom, saying. I've written, I've written about this as well today that um, for tomorrow's paper, it'd be on the website now, lep.co.uk. <laughs> we are. Got to get <laughs> quick, the plug in. Quick plug. But um, about the fixed list, now we're, we're all focused on these three sort of against the top four, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, coming back after, you know, after the international break over yep. Easter. Norwich, Norwich Swansea, Swansea and Brentford. Brentford. Then it's Stoke, we didn't rehearse that either. No, then it's Stoke away, <laughs> who are normal, yep. who are 11, for a you know, strongish outfit. Yeah. Spent not time go- in the playoffs. Not really going anywhere this season. No. But you've got Derby after that, who need the points mm-hmm. behind 
you know, they're, they're similar to North. They're worse off than North End at the moment. Derby need the points. Coventry, then Coventry need the points mm. desperately because they're ju- they're vulnerable. They're like Birmingham, just above the drop zone. Then it's Barnsley at home who were fifth in the division absolutely until till that coupon buster against Chef Wednesday on Saturday. They're absolutely <laughs> flying. Yeah. Uh, but you fancy them to be there or thereabouts still. Mm-hmm. And then end of the season, last game, you got Forrest away. Now Forrest again, two points below North End. Mm. Similar predicament, having a quick look over the shoulders. So Will it come to who wants it more then, do you think, might in, do. in those games? Might do. And yeah. and it could just be that North End's position plays against them in that because they're not right down there, mm-hmm. they don't I need think, it as much no, in a way. I think now, I think... Or do Hopefully, you think it's mine, I think yeah. it is hit home. Hence the change at the top. If you know yeah. the manager's gone now, the players will have to look at that. Well, why have they sat the manager? Yeah. Christ, look at that league table. You yeah. know. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like we've had the old routine from the players. We've let him down and etc. They've got to take their share of responsibility mm. as well. Yeah, the tactics haven't been right, right recently, but in among these defeats, there's been some poor play. Yeah. Some players are just not performing. Mm-hmm. Some are dropping rickets left, right and centre. Yep. They need to stick the chest out and say, right, it's not been good enough for us either. Yep. They're still there on the long contract, you know. Yeah. Manager carries a can, that's how football happens. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit more, yeah. you know. Especially for what we've seen of, of players, even as recently as this time last year. Mm-hmm. There are a few that just look like a shadow of themselves yeah, yeah. Th- this season. And... <laughs> That's not all down to the manager. No, simple no. as that. So the, you know, there's that. There's that. I say we were talking before about the board it being a collective responsibility. Yep. You take the highs and the low. You know, you take the plaudits when you're doing well as a whole club. Yep. And now that while the manager's um, paid for his job, the board have to take that responsibility with him. I think yep. the players need need you know at times to think have I could I have done better yeah. than that can I step up a bit more yeah when you go to places like and produce that performance at Luton when they lost 3-0 for yeah. example the other week at Reading Rovers at um, home Reading Wickham you know Rovers yeah. at home just you normally you're always chucking one or two stinkers over the course of a season that's it but there's three or four or five creeping in now that yeah. ain't good enough where where they are and that's not laid all, off the park and that's well. not always a manager you know like yeah your manager gets criticised for the tactics and how they line up but not winning your tackles not tracking your man and things like that That that's part of their responsibility so yep. again this has to be a whole collective effort yep. it's a collective effort you know criticism for where they are now if they get out of it Good on him. Yeah, you know, it, it's, the, it's that old yeah. cliche: the manager doesn't cross the white line, isn't no. it? I suppose. And yeah. and to be fair, the players at times have have um, owned up to that. Yeah, yeah, but they do, you know. And it, but it does need to be more. There's yeah. no, yeah, there's no way around that. We're all in this together, as you say. You yeah. Know, and like, I, I just hope Tom and uh, you know, like, this is a low point of the season. You manage. No one likes to see a manager get sacked. Yeah. I know people have been calling for him, but once it happened. You do reflect and go, well, I wish we hadn't got into this position we have, you know. Um, You know, there was a certain amount of sympathy knocking around for him by the end. Yeah, it was the right time to go, but, you know, there was mitigating factors at times. But, you know, if this is a low point of the season, hopefully they can get back, edge the back back up enough to get those two wins. Just give a bit of little something going next season. Yeah, two wins will give them 50 points. You tend to be all right on 50. 53 Mm. is always in the high water mark. I don't think you tend to need 53. But Mm -hmm. if they could get three wins... Yep. would be breathing easier, you know. So, yeah. um, and then it's and then it is on to next season, thankfully. And let's just put all this behind us and pretend it didn't happen, and and start getting back to enjoying football and getting to games and all that sort of stuff. It might not just be time for a summer holiday though in between. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, I think Dave, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be us for this week. Mm. All there's left to say is uh, make sure to keep in touch with us both on Twitter at Tom Sandals at Seds underscore Lep and at Lep. LEP underscore football. As Dave mentioned earlier with his with his nice little plug, make sure to look at lep.co.uk for all the uh, PE happenings. There'll be stories on there every day about North End. But and the LEP is of course available in all good news agents and, and some bad ones. Indeed, indeed. And there's also a scrub- subscription out there if you really want to get carried away and uh, and support the, the content, support the site. But uh, other than that, I think it's just got to say uh, thank you very much for listening.